0: Welcome to the New Zealand Sales and Marketing Insider, the podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by me, Paul Spain, along with Guerrilla Technology. Hey, folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Today, we're speaking with Polestar New Zealand brand manager Bruce Fowler. Bruce's experiences have been built largely across the telecommunications and technology sector, uh, as well as in the world of automotive, where most recently he's had considerable success establishing electric vehicle brand Polestar. Uh, and they've done very, very well over the last uh, 12 months since launching, uh, despite certain uh, challenges we've had with uh, with the supply chain. Let's jump in, and of course, a special thanks also to our show partners, Gorilla Technology and Forty Thieves Nut Butters. Hey Paul, nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, very nice to uh, to catch up again. And look, you've uh, you've had an esteemed uh, journey, I guess, in the in the world of sales and and marketing. Uh, I think we first met probably going back a, a, a decade or probably at least that or, yep. or so uh, <laughs> ago. And uh, most recently, you've had some you know incredible results with uh, with Polestar. Uh, that you were telling me before we started, it's uh, virtually yeah. a year to the day. Yeah, it uh, has been, yeah. So it's a, it's a year ago uh, yesterday
1: that we did the press release. We made the uh, decision to do it the first Monday after we went into the lockdown, thinking, hey, great idea. We're, everyone's going to be at home and in front of their computers, so let's let's take advantage of that. Um, and it's been a very interesting 12 months since. Very much a big learning curve for me personally and also for the broader Giltrap group to introduce a new brand to market and be actually completely caught off guard with uh, interest and demand. So
0: Yeah, well, well done. Well, let's ro- let's roll back to, to the early days. How did your, how did your career start out? What were, you, what were you doing at the beginning? Were you always, uh, no. you know, uh, somebody that uh, sold?
1: Well, no. Well, you could probably say yes. Like,
0: my parents actually opened a,
1: their own motor vehicle dealership in Morrinsville in their early 20s. So I've been around the industry my whole life. But I actually, when I left school, I actually was uh, did architectural drafting and interior design, so c- couldn't probably be further from uh, where I sit today in yep. that regard. Yep. Obviously went through a, different, a couple of different jobs prior to that, and then I came back from an overseas trip when I was nineteen, yep. and yep. actually was working for Alan Clark Motors in Albany. So okay, I'd, I'd gone okay. into the the trade, and my sister's flatmate said, "Hey, um, come and try this mobile phone thing." You know, we're doing pretty well. So that was. Uh, Twenty-seven years later, I left the uh, mobile phone industry to to go back into the motor trade.
0: Yeah, well, it was certainly that sort of side of of um, things where, where where we met, and I mean, you, you're certainly well well known uh, name within uh, within the sector. So, what were th- what were those early uh, days like of of being involved with you know essentially a, a whole new product category? You know, i remember getting hands on uh, uh, phones yeah re- you know reasonably early on before it was sort of a, a mainstream thing to to own a, a cell phone in fact i i think um, it was it was common to be called a yuppie was the term uh, back in the days if you carried a phone i'm not sure i quite uh, Fitted that category myself, um, well, uh, yeah. or how, that's how I recall it. Sort of, it sort but, of so. went with the, with the uh,
1: 3 Series BMW, I think, at yeah, the time. Yeah. Um, it was actually really interesting like to jump into a, a relatively new industry. Um, again, something that was you know top of mind with everyone, but extremely expensive back in the day. So mm, you know, yeah. we were selling products that the prices that we see for the high-end phones were bare-bones basic. Yeah. Everything was billed, It was very expensive to own, so it was yeah, very yeah. much a prestigious product. Um, but, yeah, we worked through that, and I, I suppose the biggest change that I uh, came across was opened a Bell South dealership in Rotorua in 1996. So I uh, made the jump from the telecom side. The business case was definitely a lot uh, more attractive for going up to Bell South than to telecom. Um, but, you yeah, we opened a, a business in Rotorua, and at the time there was two Bell South cell sites, so um, wow. going out from working for you know, local business out on your own, again, into an unknown area, unknown um, location. But uh, we developed a pretty strong business down in Rotorua. Probably the highlight of that was the transition from Bell South to Vodafone under the guidance of Grandma. It was a phenomenal ride. You know, but you know, I'm fortunate to have been involved in some of the, probably get the game-changing things, you know, introduction of prepay Mobile into New Zealand you know, GSM Vodafone and everything that went along with it
0: yeah pretty exciting time and and you know in so many ways and when we when we look back now at the world we've become you know accustomed and, and used to yeah it sounds like you were kind of you know right in the middle of, of being involved with introducing yeah. you know key technologies that you know we completely take for granted today and of course they they've moved on yeah. um you know with continuous sort of generational changes and, and and improvements and yeah those those early days you you would have been really having to get people across the line on why you should ha- carry a phone right which is a little bit foreign for us to to think, think about to, to yeah. today yeah. um so you know what were what was your approach how did you you know, how did you do that, or was there enough demand in the market that people were just, you know, when you had the store, were walking through the, the was, doors?
1: Um, a little bit of both. Um, obviously, by the time had a, had the own business with Bell South, uh, Bell South was very much the newcomer. So I think those of us of, um, I'll say our age, uh, we're familiar with the, you know, the. Dis- the very blatant advertising around coverage, battery life. Um, back in then, you know, Telecom and, and um, Bell South were very much at each other, about each other's strengths, hmm. which were based around coverage and battery life. But the demand was there. A lot of people didn't quite understand the expense that was associated. You know, you go back to when <laughs> they introduced text messaging, and it was you paid $10 a month and 20 cents per text wow. for text messaging. And then... There was a surge when international roaming started. So we, and Rotorua was actually a really good place to be with the um, forestry industry, particularly. So there's a lot of international travel. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, that was probably one of those things we'd, you know, we'd, like we've experienced with Polestar is um, right product, right time. Yes. Yeah. Um, and being a GSM network versus the old AMPS network or DMS as it was. Um, definitely we had customers coming in that had done the homework. They've traveled internationally. They knew they could use one phone here
0: and overseas. And in other countries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I still remember there was a very futuristic TV program uh, back in those days called Beyond 2000, which of course we're well beyond now, right? (laughs) Um, They highlighted the things that were coming in the future or or were, were just coming through. And that GSM technology was was one of them, yeah. and yeah, I remember them highlighting this you know this ability to be able to change out a, a SIM card as you travelled or, or be able to take that phone and uh, uh, go all over the world and be able to you know yeah. use these networks, which of course wasn't wasn't possible with what telecom uh, had at the time. So the brand and the product you obviously you know had had picked yeah. well in that case. Yeah, was it wasn't. Um,
1: necessarily by choice, it was just sort of fell that way, um, mm. even down to the location that we ended up in Rotorua. Our first choice was to go to Tauranga, but uh, someone had got in there just a couple of weeks before us. Okay. Um, so, and then um, after that, after building the business up for four years, it was time to either grow considerably, or as part of what was put in front of us was an opportunity to move back to Auckland and be part of the Vodafone team. Okay, great. So, um, decided it was... Auckland was probably a, a nicer place to be. Well, not nicer, but more more opportunity for us yeah. um, without having to risk a whole heap of capital. So then joined the Vodafone team, and uh, that ended up being again uh, over the, my time there. I worked in uh, sales, product marketing, and even technology for a while. So um, and again involved in some really you know interesting projects. So you know part of the team that introduced BlackBerry to market. GPRS, three G, to or MMS, but I like regularly refer to the product time at Vodafone and comparing it to where we are today. Um, I think you probably will remember the the Ten Ten, which you know, I launched. We launched the uh, first smartphone into market, being a Windows based product, five years before the iPhone. And everyone thinks the iPhone was the first smartphone. It wasn't by a long means. And we've seen the similar, you know, where we're today where everyone thinks Tesla's the, the first EV, but you look at it and there's been obviously the Nissan products around for a, a long time. Yep. Um, and the hybrid products. Yeah. So there's a lot of synergies between communications
0: where that's come from, um, and where we are today with the in the automotive space. So um, some good lessons you've been able to and parallels you've been able to look at from from your learning and think, okay, how can we how yeah. can we apply that yep. rather and, than and you obviously, know. part of, part of the
1: reason why I'm why I'm in the position I am today, yeah, which yeah. is yeah, you know, uh, it is a privilege to actually be part of the Giltrap group and to be in the position I'm in. But the, these synergies that you know you can actually look at it in the broad market, and um, you know this comes down to the sales and marketing and product development. And if you actually look at it, you look at where we are today, and between where the mobile industry was when iPhone came out, and where the automotive industry is today, and you've got a lot of these legacy manufacturers like back in the mobile days, it was the Motorola, Ericsson, Nokia even, who became laggards in the technology and had yeah, to so. move with yeah. the times. Yeah. And you look at that in the automotive industry, and we've got exactly the same happening where you've got all these newcomers coming. So Tesla's leading the way, a la Apple. You know, you've know, you got Polestar in there behind the Geely Group, which is um, obviously substantial. Um, and all these other new brands coming out of China and you've got your incumbents, your Toyotas, your Ford, GM, who are only just starting to bring products to market. So they're become, you know, behind the times rather than leading. So it's going to be really interesting over the next five years. The great thing is that with the glo- global motivation to move to, you know, zero emissions, the market's big enough for everyone to have their share of it. So it really comes down to, you know, the traditional sales and marketing around the product, you know, yeah. making sure you do things right the first time. Yep, yep. Which um, I'll be first to admit, we have been challenged with Polestar. You know, lots of learnings in the last 12 months. I signed on to the original business plan was that we were going to do 120 cars in the first year. And we had, obviously, the whole business plan was based around that with resourcing locations. Um, And all of a sudden, we'd sort of pre-sold that sort of number. (laughs) And we were still in lockdown. Yeah, yeah. So it was um, to scale up. And our biggest challenge is, you know, for... Polestar, New Zealand, but also the groups being able to actually keep up with that demand. And there's a you know good old saying: if it ain't broke, don't fix it, mm. um, or don't try and change it. Um, we've had to put lots of band aids on on stuff just to try and keep up. Um, we're now finally there. I think we've we've got a really good future ahead. Understanding customers, which is is good timing as well.
0: Yeah, look that that time in the in the telecommunications world and, and how fast paced that was, you know, must have certainly helped. What stories and, and lessons can you you know can you remember from there in terms of some of, you know some of the pressures and, and uh, you know the challenges of bringing uh, new things into the market? There's um, oh, so many different
1: learnings over the years. You know, um, you know, my time in the telecommunications, I was you know did a stunt with Samsung and HTC, and then more latterly Huawei. Um, the probably that some of the learnings is uh, when you're working for a large multinational corporate is local market dynamics versus you know we sit in the Asia Pacific region. So yes. even though we sit in Asia Pacific, we're much more like the European market. So trying to get them to understand local market requirements um, and timeframes was always a always a big challenge. Um, you know, I've got some you know stories going, going way back as far as you know the good old sales never judge a customer you, you just don't know who's who's walking in the door you don't do you, you? know when we yeah. were a rule you know one day we'd have the the chapter head of one of the local gangs and and the next day we'd have the ceo of lockwood homes so you, you really
0: can't change you know judge anyone and that doesn't change today which is a good lesson for life too isn't it you yeah know, of just of yeah. just treating people right isn't yeah. it but when you're even more so when when you're selling you yeah. make those sort of assumptions yeah. and then
1: there's some other learnings like um, you know grandma when he was um, managing director of Vodafone um, yeah you know, I'll never forget the time we we're sitting in a project meeting for bringing um, MMS to market and um, we we're sitting there and everything was ready to go like we had done all the testing as you can imagine how long that had been underway and the only thing that hadn't been resolved was the billing platform
0: ouch it's probably quite
1: important. Quite important and we were you know, we were sitting there debating, you know, what do we do, you know, how do we do this? And Graham came in for a his normal, you know, catch up and he goes, Hey guys, great launch promotion. It's free for the first six months and then we'll work it out you've got six months to sort out the billing. <laughs> and away we went brilliant. brilliant. So, um, and that's just it, you know, part of you know, boss Graham was it, you know, from Australia, part of the probably the Kiwi psyche around stuff. It's like we can do this, yeah. You know, We'll just go ahead, and we'll make sure you know things happen in, in time.
0: So, so that yeah, that need to get creative when things are moving quickly. You don't really have any other choice. It's also you know similar around uh, uh, around budgets. I'm trying to remember the, the famous uh, Sir Ernest Rutherford uh, you know quote, but you know uh, along the lines of well, when you know when when there isn't the the money to apply, then. You actually need to think. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and
1: and there's also you know, um, you know, when is the right time to spend money, and where's the the right right place to spend money? Mm. Um, It's been the last twelve months with Polestar has been actually quite uh, an education in its own right. That we actually haven't spent anywhere near what we would potentially had budgeted, Um, and it's you know, it's a good old saying: right product, right time. Most of what we've generated is just from search. So we've had our Google AdWords running, uh, but we've done very little traditional marketing mm. to the point. Yeah, so we we're very fortunate with right product, right time. But now things are,
0: are tapering off, and it's now, now we need to start looking. And there's you know, going to be a lot more competition in the in the market, isn't there? And, yeah. and I guess you know, sort of you know, comparing that to sort of telco world where you know they had, had weren't you know certainly. Um, for a, for a long time there there were only you know two mobile networks you know now we've now we've got three but you know that quite a different sort of dynamic
1: yeah and it's um it's really interesting when you you know bring that up like we you know we used to invest um without you know when with the, in the vendor land with the operators a flagship product launch we'd be investing millions of dollars um you know to launch a product into markets or incentives and you know owning advertising space and, and everything. Um, and you turn around to now with a you know, family-owned business in New Zealand that's we you know, an importer agent uh, with, you know, we're missing several zeros off that sort of budget. But the challenge you face isn't actually that different. It's just how big you're going to go. You know, end of the day, it's all in the detail and, and in the execution. And seeing how... From a multinational perspective, how the difference between Korean, Taiwanese, um Chinese, Chinese and now the Swedes operate. Um, I'm you know, I'd have to say probably the Swedes have, um, have probably seen a benchmark as far as as preparation and organization and you know, making sure it's done right.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's re- really interesting because I you know, I don't think as New Zealanders, we have a, you know a, a lot of probably examples of Swedish businesses that we you know yeah, that we well, tend to work with. So you know you've you've probably had an experience uh, there um, that's reasonably un- you know un- uncommon in yeah. in New
1: Zealand. Yeah, well uh, we still everyone's still waiting in anticipation for the iconic <laughs> Swedish brand being IKEA to come to market. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know everyone knows you know the, the the Swedes are known for the the cleanliness and the directness. Um, they've been inc- incredible to work with as far as support. Um, nothing's been a challenge, like right, you know, you are part of the, the initial press launch that we did where we had, you know, executive team, 7.30 a.m. in the morning their time, driven through snow to, to do a Q&A session with our local media. Um, and we've just experienced that, you know, week in, week out uh, with the Swedes around the support. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's been a really good learning as far as you've got everything sorted and packaged. Um, and from a marketing perspective, they've they, basically they create the content for us and that we then localise. So now with the technology, obviously, it's a lot easier than I can remember you know, going back to some of the early Samsung product launches. And we'd, the global announcement would be made and we'd start downloading when it was released to us. And uh, a day later, we'd finish downloading the assets.
0: And now, it's obviously, it's a lot quicker with all technology and stuff. That that's a new reality. That is that is still quite quite recent, isn't it? This idea that a brand can announce a product, but as the the local arm of that that vendor, you might you know, in some cases, maybe there's a there's a little bit of pre knowledge, but we certainly see it with some of these brands where it's you know, it's completely sort of under wraps. So I'm sure you know. In Vodafone world, you would have had some of that as well. And oh, yeah. you have to be able to move at, a, at an incredible pace. Yeah. How so hard is that? I guess it's something you learn over, over the
1: years. <laughs> yeah, to, to, you know what you, what to expect um, and you can plan the execution around it. Um, but then it's making sure you've got all your, your partners, advertising partners, everyone all lined up, that when you actually do get the official content, that it's available and shared as quickly as possible. As always, things don't always go to plan, but um, I, th- I think what's you know, probably one of the, the biggest things that you know, we've seen over the last 15, 20 years is time to market, you know, speed of content, uh, the fact nothing's secret anymore. You know, as soon as something happens somewhere in the world, everyone knows about it, um, and that uh, puts a lot of pressure on um, local market. You know. Even if we launched a product today you know, and it came out of the factory... At best case, we're, you know, we're four to six weeks behind any other market because we're down the bottom end of the world. Yeah, yeah. So whilst we could say, hey, the product's available now, the reality is they'll be delivering it into Europe four to six weeks before we land it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now, walk us through a little bit you know, with your experience at, uh, at Samsung. You know, you've got the product, latest phone, what are you able to do from you know, from a marketing perspective with this with this product where, you know, so much of it is, is set globally, internationally, there's all sorts of sort of international media coverage and, and, yep. and information. So, you know, an incredible level of, sort of you know, transparency. What do you do to, to, to market a, a so product a lot like that?
1: A lot of it comes down to retail conversion. So I can't stress enough the importance of product knowledge across App sales and marketing, mm. um, and because that's your biggest differentiator. So once you've all the pretty pictures are out there, so you know, as they say, the coloured with crayons is out in the the marketplace. Um, it's how do you convert that person once they seen the product, they walk in the door. How do you get them to buy your product versus you know in the you know, mass market retail there could be twenty different products sitting side by side, um, where obviously in the automotive it's a destination they're coming in to have a look a lot of it does come down to, to product knowledge. So, you know, knowing that product, you know, what are the benefits, um, but also keeping it simple. So the good old KSPs, what makes this product better than the, the competitors, but relevant to the customer. So the good old understanding your customer, finding out the, the needs. And that translates obviously not in, just in a sales perspective, but into marketing. So you're... Uh, once you start to localise it, you look at your local market demographics, what appeals to Kiwis versus Australians versus Swedes versus whoever, because uh, we are different down here, and you just work work through you know how do you
0: target that that audience. So that comes through in online advertising, and anything that you're you're putting out there. And then because you're so reliant with a consumer you know, product like a, a Samsung smartphone, you're so reliant on the re the retail uh, channel which I, I imagine is as yep. largely you know two degrees spark Vodafone uh, yep. as as kind of the, the arms and legs sort of representing your your brand There's are a fair bit of work that you that yeah. you have to so, do at that store level in terms of you very, know very much so them.
1: so if you look at a, a traditional launch plan the obviously of presence in the store so the light boxes the display tables live samples big investment in, in that and then obviously in the staff training um and backed up with staff incentives end of the day you know that does drive drive sales behavior and
0: that yeah. must be quite competitive right I mean whichever brand you you're representing everybody's wanting to yeah wanting I, to push their push their product yeah, I, and it is quite fascinating from a I guess a, a customer and I and I guess when I'm in these stores I'm I'm more just you know curious I'm not necessarily in a retailer to to buy a device but I'm always curious to learn around how they're operating and I I found it quite fascinating as I'll ask after different you know brands and most recently when I was in a retailer I was asking around Oppo oh what do you think of Oppo and you know getting yep. the different feedback and in the back of my mind is oh, I'm very curious around what's what's been incentivized best here yeah. and so um,
1: I believe, you know, over the last couple of years, as far as the telco-owned stores, they've moved away from actually supporting any incentives. Right. So, because for them, it's all around the customer experience and you know, making sure that they're getting the best possible. Yeah. Many reports out there around the pros and cons of it, you know, and it comes down to the lead, leaders in the business, you know, what do they want to achieve? You know, is it about... The best possible experience for the customer, or the potentially what the best for the salesperson or the, the business, um, and you, you will find, and it goes back to the product knowledge that a lot of sales, salespeople will sell what they know.
0: Yeah, that that makes so much sense, doesn't yeah. it? So maybe a, a program that sort of seeds devices into the. Into the hands of staff so yeah. that they're actually using yeah. using the technology, they know it, so then they're, they're more likely to. Yeah, In uh, my do time, that. we spend a lot of money
1: trying to see people, mm, particularly mm, mm. out of the fruit company's product, which tend yeah. to be their yeah. the personal yeah. choice, yeah. Um, to yeah. actually try and get them to try new products. Um, and a lot of surprise, I don't know, you'd have experienced over the years where you get caught in this mindset of, you know, this product does everything I want it to do. And um, then you try something new and go, oh, actually, it's like, and I think that one of the classic ones was, you know, I've always been an Android user for, for years. I was one of the first to use iPhone at yes. one, one minute past 12 on the launch day of the 3GS. <laughs> um, but I've pretty much used Android since. And, you know, something that was just, you know, we had every day was the widgets on the home screen. Yes, yes. when I mean, was it about four years ago? Apple finally launched those. It's like Androids had that for years. It's just like, you know, what what do you want? What do
0: you know? You know yeah. So say. when you yeah, when somebody knows that, then they can they can yeah. share some passion and excitement yeah. around those things that, yeah. that differentiate yeah. um, a product. And you know, you you mentioned uh, HTC and and Huawei. These you know firms that you know certainly when when they started with offering smartphones into the New Zealand market and I mean HTC you know not a name we've we've heard in, uh, in in recent years and Huawei obviously you know things have changed in terms of their picture but quite it must be quite a difference compared to Samsung as a as a name that just got oh. so well known across uh, you know consumer electronics TVs and and so on uh, you know, for, 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 for those of us who've been about around a bit longer, you know, I guess a, a position in the, sort of the overall uh, consumer electronics market, sort of like what Sony, you know, used to have in, in years gone by. But when working with HTC and Huawei, what were the, the unique challenges there? Because, you know, you're yeah. trying to sell something that, that so, no one's heard of so to, joined, to at least something. So when degree. I joined
1: Samsung, um, I was looking after the Vodafone account, and I think from memory... Samsung was at about 13% market share. Okay. And by the time I left there, it was nearly 50%. So it's all on you then, Bruce. No, definitely definitely <laughs> not. But working for a um, – that was just the Vodafone side. Uh, but, you know, obviously a, a huge organisation globally and locally, mm-hmm. you know, separate marketing teams and product teams and testing teams and, you know, a huge amount of capital behind the business to, m- to make it grow. Um yeah. And then I got approached to, uh, to look after HTC, which went from being part of a very, very large organisation to working from home on my own, doing the whole lot. So I was sales, marketing, product, testing, the whole lot supported out of Australia um, and then to Taiwan, so a very different scale. Um, and then going to Huawei, which was back to being very similar to Samsung, where they had a goal they wanted to achieve, which was market share. Um, and you know, we had a pretty pretty good ride um, with Huawei as well, you know, growing, but massive investment in, in retail presence um, and sales. Um, fortunately, Huawei's timing was really well um, in the market. Great quality product, great technology. Um, and you know, I actually do, do feel a little bit for them as a business that rightly or wrongly so, um, you know, I just recently had grabbed out an old P30 Pro that it was in the drawer because my phone, I broke broke my phone. Very and, innovative yeah. products, right? Yeah. I mean, they've yeah. really and, done this, uh, 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 yeah. some
0: great products and, and they, you know, continue to do so. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and, you know, they definitely, you know, from a technology and reliability perspective, they're definitely a market leader um, and to be blocked out based on some, you know, yeah you could almost say it's hearsay. There's no found evidence around what's been claimed, Um, so you do feel for them. But yeah, you look at that organisation, how it's been able to turn itself around and look at new, new things, and now they're becoming
0: an automotive competitor in China. So yeah. 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 (laughs) So, what were the things that you you were able to do to help grow the Huawei brand and? in New Zealand when you know it wasn't you know, a massively known so, yeah. name officially. So actually go back to HTC, I think. Yep. You know when we were
1: um, you know, very small, not a huge amount of uh, funding. Definitely didn't have the budgets of Samsung or, or others in the market at the time. During that I leveraged the the power of the the operator. So with you know, Spark, Photophone Two Degrees, I just put all my effort into working with them and their marketing teams. Because I didn't have the marketing budget to do our own marketing on top of that, so that was
0: that that growth with Huawei, and that must have that must have given you a, a massive reach compared to yeah. what you would have achieved on your own. So that that partnership commitment, and you must have put a lot of time into into relationships there yeah. because. Yeah. So- yeah, a big telco, they've still got everyone else trying to push their products, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so uh, yeah, fortunately, it did come down to relationships and, mm. you know, the,
1: the devil you know. And, you know, um, yeah, I was able to definitely leverage that during that and carried on when we rolled into with, with Huawei as well. So, um, you know, uh, obviously it formed a very strong relationship with Vodafone. The fact, of have pretty much been part of that business since it started. Um, I actually can remember being given a budget to to fly to Luxembourg, which is where Vodafone does it, central procurement, mm. for a meeting to negotiate the operator agreement wow. for supply. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that was a, uh, a lot of travel for a three-hour meeting, but it was <laughs> concluded successfully. Um, but, and yeah, I'm sure it paid for itself. It did in, in the long run, but, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, know, you tell someone, you know, everyone thinks these business trips are a, a lot of fun, uh, Trust me, flying flying to Luxembourg for a three-hour meeting is not, not a lot of fun. <laughs> on your own in the middle of winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, with, with Huawei, um, probably a little bit different because of market timing. We spent a huge amount of money on retail presence. So our retail marketing manager, um, Armit, you know, did a lot of hard work with the mass market retail, particularly the, the warehouse groups and all aiming warehouse stationery. Um, and the warehouse itself around establishing retail presence. So when that customer walked in the door, there was actually a, a table there with Huawei product. So um, And that's going back and that was followed up with the, sale, the product training for the sales staff. So when someone came in and looking at this table, the staff actually knew what they were.
0: Right. So that went together hand in hand, and actually yeah. getting that presence and, and floor space in the yeah. in the store and a you know, good presentation yeah. and the and the knowledge. Yeah, and then having a, a retail support team that was basically on a call cycle
1: regularly calling into this their retail sites. Um again, um, you know, retail obviously has relatively high staff turn. So trying to keep the staff always up to
0: date. It was a never-ending job. So. And how does that work with a sort of a, a you know retailer like that, where the, you know people are doing all sorts of you know different things? They've got a broad range of coverage. How and how does that actually play out in terms of keeping people up to date with the product? It must be fairly hard.
1: Yeah, it's it is it's one of those things that is, you know, we, everyone talks about always on advertising. It's always always on trading as well. Yeah. So to keep up with the making sure product. Um, again, but now, obviously, things have changed with online technology. So if you look at us today for, for Polestar, um, everything we training training's all done through online modules. Um, and, you know, it's very different, you know, in webinars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So walk us through sort of the summary of that, that Polestar journey, journey without you pulling, going into, you know, into too much detail. But what would you say have sort of been the key... Things to to that success, obviously, a key part has to you know has to be the product, right? Yeah, like, so, you know yeah. that was something you signed on because of the product, the brand. Tell us yeah, a little, so, little bit about that. Yeah, um, so obviously, being a
1: passion, being the motor, you know, automotive, but also technology. Um, as soon as the murmuring started coming through, I'd already fortunately done a lot with EV with Jaguar with the ipace Pace. Yes. Um, sold a number of those, but then we started hearing about the EV, the technology, the connectivity, and then, you know, hello, you know, Polestar's launching with Android Automotive. You would have liked it that. It was like, hey, this this is me. This is, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I know where this can go from, from here. You know you can sell it. Yeah, um, but also no, you know, not short-term, long-term, seeing, you know, and, you know, being able to jump on phone calls with product teams and around, you know, network connectivity and stuff has been a, a godsend. You know, you know if it drops off the network, I sort of got some idea why it would be happening, but also app development, so what's going to come in the future around apps running in the car and stuff. But, so it was like, hey, this is something I'd really like to do. I've, very fortunately, it ended up um, being part of the guiltrap group, and um, I got asked if I'd be interested in, in doing it. So say so it's been a really interesting twelve months. I was, I was in the office for two weeks before we went into lockdown. New business, new brand, new to the, you know, new industry for me. What do I do? I like, uh, talk to that person and that person. I really did underestimate how much goes on the back end of the motor industry, sort of like the mobile networks. You know, it's compliance and you know all the stuff that you need to do on the back end to bring a product to market. Um, but sitting at home for. What were we? 104 days, I think it was, was the <laughs> lockdown. Um,
0: we can laugh about it now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, sitting at my daughter's student desk on Teams, pretty much about six to eight hours a day, uh, trying to get get this business up and running. So, um, and then we got to the point of obviously having impacted delays for what was what is now our Polestar space in Newmarket. So that was originally, it was going to be November and then it was December, then it was February and March, and I think we ended up getting in in May. So, and constantly moving with that around, well, we need to do something with the cars, first cars are on the water, where are we going to display them? Michael, one of our directors, had the idea, let's use the basement at Great North Road, because we didn't know, we didn't want, no one wanted to commit to any temporary locations. You know, we could have committed to, Tens of thousands of dollars a month for a temporary location, and never been able to use it. So
0: yeah, how would uh, how would how would you know what's going to
1: happen? No. So um, I, not, I have posted on on LinkedIn as well, just showing the, the journey that we've been through. So we you know we launched a new brand literally out of the basement car park <laughs> at one one nine Great North Road by appointment only. We got politely asked that it was our time was up when there was a Aston Martin launch that needed to use the the location. Oh. Uh, but okay. as it as that turned out. The Girl trip Group had just opened the car store in Newmarket. So we were able to go from there to Westfield Newmarket, which was a whole new thing as well. So, you know, having a car store in a Westfield Mall.
0: Yeah, how's that played out?
1: It's been a really, really interesting exercise, depending on brand. So we've definitely had the highest customer engagement, but probably to the fact of our timing, that it was the first time we'd come out of the basement, first time the car had been on public display and we had nowhere else to go. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, But you know, in the space of four weeks down there, we did over 250 test drives wow. out of the That's basement, great. proportionate amount of sales without mm. going into too much. Yeah. And then since then, each of the brands go through. But um, if anyone want, you know, from a sales and marketing perspective wants to look at what can be done when you push the boundaries, um, you know, Sean Summerfield came up with the, the idea about the car store, and we've partnered with Panasonic in there, and it's actually a digital canvas. So we can roll, the group can roll in one brand, roll one out and one in in the space of about two hours. Wow. So, you know, when the mall closes, the screens get turned off, the new content gets loaded, the cars get driven out, the new cars get driven in, she's up and running. And the, it, it's a full brand change. That's brilliant. So it's absolutely great amazing. Great technology. Yeah. yeah. But um, obviously Panasonic's been a great partner with that. You know, we've got two eight-meter-long video walls, <laughs> uh, centralised content, so it's, it's worked incredibly well. So whether it's just a, a brand positioning, um, but as you've seen, we've had some of the, the most awesome brands and cars on there. Mm-hmm. We'll see if it continues at the stage. It's only to the end of the year that we've, we've got that location. So. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that's exciting!
0: Now, before we before we wrap up, uh, question that we that we like to ask uh, is if you could share with listeners, um, you know, one tip, one piece of advice that they could take away and you know, action tomorrow. What would that be? I'll,
1: I'll split into two. Know your customers and know your product is probably the the two biggest things. And to a certain degree, I'd probably say, challenged on this quite regularly, but knowing your product is how you can differentiate yourself from the guy next door. So if there's two products in the market that are similar, if you know your product just that little bit more, that's probably going to be the success to your business. And you can t- take that product knowledge and make a unique marketing message out of it everyone talks about the KSPs you know the three to five you know key selling points of a product you really if you say so if you really know
0: your product you can turn that into a really strong
1: marketing message as well.
0: And these days with the internet of course people go online and research all sorts of stuff but they still have questions right so yeah
1: yep. I, I we've actually seen a, a lot of direct sales um, out of town with pe- people not even test driving the car they've watched the reviews online and seen comparisons and gone hey it's a good car I'll, I'll just take it. But I think, I think we're at a, plat- a point where the sort of market's plateauing around online and bricks and mortar. We've seen a huge increase in the click and collect to the point where people will go in to store to look at a product. They'll go home and buy it, then they'll go back to pick it up. And that a lot of it comes down to the personality in the store of the salespeople. If they don't gel with someone, they potentially don't like to be pressured to sale. They like to make their own decision in their own time.
0: Yeah, very important to to recognise uh, the right approach. Yeah. And and I think that aspect that yeah. sales has changed, yeah. right? Like yeah. we, we are in a whole different world. I mean, yeah. I just can't imagine we're certainly going back sort of 10, 20 years ago to someone said, oh, you'll, be, you'll go online and you'll order a vehicle that you might have never even test driven. Oh, yeah. uh, you With, know, that yeah. just sounds so foreign, but yeah. this is the reality, reality. we're in.
1: But yeah. also um, Polestar's grown its its customer interaction. It is a digital-first business. We're one of the first that we're an importer market, so we don't have the full, you know, end-to-end digital customer experience because there's lots of legal and privacy issues around that when they're based out of Sweden. So we're one of the first what they call destination locations. But the concept is um, very different to traditional motor business. So um, none of my staff sit in the showroom, or space as we call it, so we're all out the back. And we can see customers when they walk in, so we go out and greet them. Uh, Customers are free to walk around. It's very laid back. The staff are all dressed casually, so there is a uniform. But it's very casual, very relaxed, very transparent. And it seems to be working really, really well for us.
0: Congratulations. Uh, You really have (laughs) had some great success with Polestar. So all the best. Thank Uh, you. Thank you very much, Bruce Fowler. Thank you, Paul. All right, well, thanks everyone for listening in and we will catch you on the next episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider podcast. Cheers. Thanks for listening in to this episode of the New Zealand Sales and Marketing Insider. If you enjoyed it, you can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite app for fortnightly episodes. For other great New Zealand podcasts, such as New Zealand Everyday Investor, NZ Business Podcast, This Climate Business and more, head across to podcasts.nz. And if it's technology expertise you're after, for a small to medium organisation, then make your way to GorillaTechnology.com. And special thanks to our friends at 40 Thieves Nut Butters. Listeners to the show can get a 20% discount when purchasing online. Just go to 40thieves.co.nz and use the promo code INSIDER20. See you next time.